Welcome back, wolves and sheep, to the Black Wolf 1230s podcast. Uh, basically, today we're going to resume the manuscript that I've written, the copywritten manuscript of A Wolf Bites Once the Evolution that talks about my life. And it's basically, uh, it was a six, it is a 65,000 word manuscript, 210 pages. Uh, this book was written where 40, about 40% was written by, uh, by laptop and 60% by phone. Um, basically, I wrote this book to basically, uh, as an autobiography and the steps and, and a course map of my journey that I'm making with inside my life. Um, So we basically left off on the introduction part. And so that's what we're gonna be focusing on. And I just wanted to say whoever's listening, I hope my life helps your life. And I hope if you have a closed eye. I hope you learn to open it um, and not restrict yourself. That affects you socially. It affects you mentally. It affects you psychologically. And it affects you spiritually. So let's start with the book soon. Thank you for listening. Okay. Now we will resume the rest of the introduction of A Wolf Bites Once to Evolution. In Western society, wolves are depicted and mythologized, mythologicalized as evil and bad creatures. Wolves are categorized as vicious and mean, and yet in some cultures they are protectors of livestock and family-oriented. Older cowboy movies display dog-slash-wolves useful in herding and seeking out lost sheep from the herd. The flock needed guidance, and so did I. God had become the full-time navigator of my life, and I am a wolf, desired to follow the leadership of my shepherd. My sole desire is to seek God and return lost sheep back to the arms of my head shepherd, Jesus. My spiritual tendencies became heightened and elevated by every revelation I come across. In my foolishness, I have touched and formed personal relationships, relations with lost sheep I've known I was taught by the Holy Spirit not to touch. I am led, I am to lead these lost sheep back to God. In helping his sheep, I learned not to judge which sheep I should help. Therefore, I am to help all sheep. I noticed in the older Western movies, the shepherd, his flock, horse and dog, all drank from the same watering hole. In order for me to win lost sheep over, I am to drink as they drink, with no reserved prejudice. My intentions in this book are to help anyone who has become 
who has been wondering if their trials and tribulations have been imposed in vain. I am a living testimony or a living testament that life breeds another life. An individual walk, an, event, an, an individual's walk helps to carry another walking on the same road which is lost and is searching for a direction. God is incorporating a spiritual compass in his direction. Earthly compasses are based on four cardinal directions, north, south, east, and west. God's cardinal point is always up and up only. As long as a man's spirit is facing upward, then the downing of his mishaps have no bound, bounds in the limits he can achieve in progression and prosperity. The world offers unemployment while Jesus is deployed to employ the least of souls. The reality of life is it lacks an inner sustainable reality of one's true perseverance and potentials. We are taught fear is a healthy way of life, but fear opens a gateway to slavery imposed by time and money. Hasty decisions control our every turn of life's destinies. Our conscious awareness and material inventories of how many houses we have, how many cars we possess in our driveways, and how much, diverse, how much diversities we have in our financial accounts are binding us from our true destiny. The process of regeneration is needed to fortify the next generation. The next generation is, is believed to be lost and hopeless, yet the communion of today's generation is scarce during simple meal times and is replaced by fast foods, fast vocabularies, and fast monies. We will become a desolate society of humans if we don't stress a change in how we think, walk, and talk to each other. Our histories are spiraling downhill while God is offering an upward freedom in our lives. Please enjoy the blessings of this book. Thank you. And that was the introduction to A Wolf Bites Wants the Evolution. Yes, so now the introduction has been concluded from the book. We're going to move on and we're going to excel or excel to the, the biographies of my parents. The parental biography of my father. My father was born on May 7, 1947 in Baltimore, Maryland. He was the fifth child born from a total of seven children to my grandparents. He was educated in Baltimore City Public Schools. He graduated from Paul Lawrence Dunbar High School, where he was a football star and a wrestling star in high school. He attended college at Hampton State University in Hampton, Virginia. He became a Freemason while attending college. Freemasonry requires its candidates to gain knowledge and steps. He served in the United States Marine Corps as marksman and tactical weapons instructor. He was stationed in Quantico, Virginia at a Marine Corps, Bay, Marine Corps camp known as 
MCB Quantico. He was later deployed to Vietnam where he served two tours. He was diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, and heart failure from Agent Orange exposures. My father prided himself always in taking care of his body by way of sports and the United States Marine Corps. He was a well-built man with a natural gift for being excessively strong in physical and spiritual natures. My father's religion was a devout Catholic, and he died January 7, 2003. As far as my mother, my mother was born May 18, 1949, in Baltimore, Maryland, where she was the youngest child born of four children. My grandmother had a nervous breakdown that led to my mother becoming a ward of the state, living in foster homes. My mother didn't know she had family until she was 15 years old, where she was, she was later united with her family. My mother graduated from Frederick Douglass High School in Baltimore, Maryland, and received further higher education at Baltimore City Community College. My mother also was very admirable because of her hourglass figure. She is currently alive today. My mother was and still is a heartbroken woman as well. She did her best in being a wife and mother, but I believe she has been emotionally bankrupt due to her growing up with no family and, and, and living in foster homes. Okay. That was the biography of my parents. So what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to go to chapter one. Chapter one of the book is called The Birth of an Enigma. Thank you all for listening. Welcome back to the Black Web 1230s podcast. We are resuming the reading of the book, A Wolf Bites Once the Evolution. We stopped off at the, par- the, excuse me, the biography of the parents, of my parents, my mother and my father. And now we're beginning to get into the facts of the book, which is chapter one, The Birth of an Enigma. On December 30th, 1968, I was born to Johns Hopkins Hospital located in Baltimore, Maryland. I was a fetus victimized by confusion and mayhem due to my parents' inability to communicate their desires and what they expected from each other. My father endured a lasting heartbreak that plagued his marriage because my mother was unfaithful with another lover. My mother revealed this truth during a heated argument with my my father. He He also was doing his bout of infidelities as well for he had allegedly fathered another daughter. My father became injured in the Vietnam War where he began a strategic system to know and form relationships with women because his service buddies would give him their contact information while they were still fighting in the field. He was making his own household calls. I was a few months older then this child he fathered, dad's, dad said he had been sleeping with this woman all the way up till his wedding night with, it, with my mother. My mother was hurt and vindictive and had reached her end with my father infidelities. My mother, my mother told my father 
You're not the father of this baby I'm carrying. My father was distraught and enlisted his sister's husband to do a drive-by shooting at the house. The bullets riddled the house, but no one was injured. He wanted to kill my mother and I. Vietnam had messed him up. I remember as a child a strange man that was not my father helping me set up my new train set I had received from Santa Claus for the, for my first Christmas. After I was grown, I told my mother other things I saw going on in the house, and that was unbelievable to her. To prove it, I described the visual blueprint of the house, including the stove, refrigerators, bedrooms. She was shocked. I could recall so easily from the age of one. I believe she feared all the things I saw and I would judge her and look at her as something other than being my mother. You can't pick your parents. Parents, be careful in what you do in front of your children. You never know what they will use to be thrown back in your face. My father stopped coming home and left my mother and left my mother to take care of me by herself. He had been staying with his older sister, Lana. One day, I remembered climbing out my crib because I was left alone while my mother worked and crawled down. While I worked, and I crawled down thirteen stairs to the kitchen to eat some fish steaks my maternal grandmother always baked. The mortgage and bills were accumulating; thus, my mother could not handle them on her own. Later, we finally lost the house. The burden was too much for a single mother to maintain on her own. After the foreclosure, my mother and I moved in with my mother's oldest sister, cousin's house. My, co- my, my mother's cousin, Jamie, was married and had three children of her own, two girls and one boy. Jamie's husband, named Wayne, treated me as his son. My memories of this man were that he loved to fish, and I went to touch an eel. He stopped me because he was still alive. It would have shocked me. Until this day, I don't eat eel, and his son, my elder cousin Nathan, was like a big brother to me. He would smack my head before I played with his toys. I became used to pain early in my life. It seems I have been smacked around all my life. By this time, I was a student in nursery school. Here's where I started interacting with children my age. I stood out because I wore thick glasses and was ex- exceptionally smart. I befriended another kid who also wore glasses. His name was Sean. We used to push each other in a red wagon at school until one day Sean pushed me to the top of the hill and then let go of the wagon. I went careening down the hill. I was very shook up as a result of this childhood incident. I stopped being friends with Sean. Shortly after this incident, this is where I began to trust to have trust issues. Another memory I have from this school is I was swinging on some church benches in the nursery school because the school was refurbished from an old church. When the bench fell on me, it Gashed, gashed my eyebrows open, my eyebrow open. My older cousin was called 
to come take me to the hospital because my mother was working. I received stitches, and then I was sent home from the hospital. My first bloodshed was in the church. How amazing. My mother and I finally moved from my cousin's because she felt like she was she was a maid cooking and cleaning all the time. Mom rented a two-room two-room apartment in the projects called Lafayette Courts in Baltimore City. My mother became more and more resentful of me and started beating me on a daily basis. Dad still was coming by making house calls to my mother after he had visited the other woman in the same complex. How did I know grown people's business? It's because the kids at school used to tease and bully me about it the next day. I had to fight constantly because of my father's extramarital activities. My mother got wind of me fighting, and she beat me more. I just didn't know why at the time. My mother was not the only person beating on me. Her older sister, Aunt Geneva, joined in on the party. I then learned to grow numb to pain. I started working out, push-ups, sit-ups, and squats alone, battered in the isolation of my room and mind. My mother would not let me go outside to play with other children my age. School trips were out of this question, nor was I allowed to have friends. I was her prisoner, serving time with her in a roach-infested project. The roaches were so bad that when I shook my toys, you could hear the roach droplets in them, and they sounded like the shakings of a blown light bulb. Okay, that was the end of chapter one, which is called The Birth of Enigma. And so my four words of this is, as I read, I started noticing I'm complaining about the family that I have already, and I need to be more grateful because I just realized my, my mother's family wasn't there. I have a big family. I'm talking about a big family. And for my mother, for, for my mother to find out to be finally reunited to, my, to her family at such a late teenage years, I mean, I have no reason to complain. I just don't like the things my family does. That's it. But the thing is, is that um, uh, I like being to myself as well. I'm the Black Wolf. So I hope you guys enjoyed chapter one and the introduction. And we will resume chapter two, if the sun allows us, tomorrow. Thank you for listening. And remember, wolves and sheep, Black Wolf 1230 loves you. Remember that. I love you. 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 I love your presence. More important, I love your existence. Make it matter. Peace. Please enjoy the next musical selection that I synthesized. Uh, and I dedicate this to my dog, and I name her. And I named the beat. Kayla. Love you, Kayla. <laughs>